Chapter 7 Ninanaba A New Family Hashkehilnaba called his Nabeho warriors together for another leadership gathering. He told Ninanaba she was to accompany them to the meeting. Ninanaba was relieved. She did not want to be alone. Nabahit ahanin da kaigisa nihirando tanihili ik dates i dole yinye yikai. Young warriors have come to look after our homes and our livestock. Nabahi bich onitan liniki asto nemaya atahalyado le yinye yikai. Their wives also have come to care for your mother. Hashkehilnapa and Ninanaba and their two sons, as well as her father and brother, left for the leadership gathering that was being held at a mesa nearly a day and a half ride away from their home. The group left on horseback through rough terrain, terrain the enemy would not want to contend with. After another lengthy leadership gathering, Hashkeyishnapa, Ninanaba, and their two sons, Nahatahishnapa and Egonapa, and Ninanaba's father and her brother left to return home. They decided to take a different route home, a more difficult route that ran through canyons, and one that was shorter and safer because the enemy soldiers would find the canyons treacherous. A horse unfamiliar with the territory would be more apt to trip and break a leg, and thus the Anna'i enemy were not found on the route they followed. As their horses began to climb the rocky hill, Hashkeh Yishnabah's sons, who were riding ahead, heard a child crying. Hashkeh Yishnabah motioned to the others to stay behind. He jumped off his horse without a sound and led his horse and Nananabat's horse to safety. He helped Nananabat off her horse, then tied the horses loosely to a tree branch. He then began to walk quietly in the direction he heard the infant's cries coming from. Hashkehishnabat had to be careful because it was reported at the leadership gathering that some Ute warriors stole little Nabeho infants, and then while they were still tied up in their cradle boards, the Utes would hang the infants in a tree to lure the Nabeho warriors out of hiding so the Utes could kill or capture the Nabeho warriors. Once the Nabeho warriors were captured, they were taken to the base of the Hopi mesas near Oribe, Walpi, or Shimopovi, then sent on to Fort Defiance, and later were forced to walk to a place in eastern New Mexico territory, a place the soldiers call Fort Sumner. If the Nabahi warrior was killed, his scalp was given to the leader of the soldiers in exchange for American money. As Rashkeh Yishnaba peered between the rocks, he was startled by four sets of eyes looking up at him.
He drew his lance and held it above his head, ready to throw it when he saw three children and one young woman looking back at him in silent horror. He stepped back, leaned against a large rock, expecting the enemy to come out of hiding. But the young woman spoke first, asking him in a shaking voice, Are you Navajo? Without answering, What is your reason for being out here? The girl pulled herself out of their hiding spot while the young children refused to leave. The young woman told Hashkehishnapa there were two little boys and a baby in their hiding place. She told Hashkehishnapa and the others that their parents had been killed in a raid by the Utes and white soldiers, and many of their sheep had been killed and just a few herded off as well. The children were visibly shaken. When Hashkehilnaba determined it was a place that was safe, they asked Ninanaba to come out of hiding to coax the children out of their own hiding spot. One by one, Hashkehilnaba lifted the children out of the crevice between two rocks. Large tears welled up in the children's eyes, spilled over and mixed with the dirt on their faces as they told of their experiences. They had been hiding in the same spot for nearly five days, living only on water caught in the mound of the rocks from the early morning rains. Ninanaba offered the children jerky and blue corn tortillas and watched as the little ones swallowed the food whole. Hashkehilnapa took the food away from them to keep them from choking on the food, saying, When we get home with you, I will butcher a sheep for you. You will drink some stew. The children choked back silent sobs, with tears running down their faces, they leaned against the ones who had rescued them. The two young children rode with Nahatahyanapa and Tlekonapa, while the young girl rode their pack horse. Ashkehyusnapa carried the small infant in his arms. Nananapa rode close to her husband and watched the way he carried the infant carefully in his arms. Ninanaba felt emotional strings pulling at her heart. She wanted to give her husband more children. He loved her and their children so much. I will get better once I see my daughters again, Ninanaba breathed silently. Not wanting her husband to know she was thinking of herself, she said, we will look for some young woman for our sons so we may have grandchildren, she quietly said to her husband. At the Nasje, Naho Ahigi Shishya Ate, 
I am pleased you are planning for the future, Ashkehir Napa said while smiling at his wife and admiring her strength. Na taho a yeta, ye go ant a yeta, na hat aiki topin and bleed ant e. When you got sick, and when you were very sick, you had no desire to plan. Ad e di alchene biyahui dil al, tan hina ka alchene na halengo, banti ke stolel. Now we will raise these children. We will think of them as they were our own. Akonde nihich e kent bitis nahigi e do bedi nata. But we will not forget our girls who were captured, said Hashkehilnapa with authority. Nananaba responded by saying, Hastim yat ehinel, you are a good man. You take good care of us, and you take good care of me. Every day I am thankful of you. Hashkeh Yilnapa reached out to lightly stroke his wife's soft cheek with the back of his hand, but quickly withdrew his hand. He remembered he had attended the sacred leadership gathering, so he could not have any physical contact with Nananaba. Instead, he decided to illustrate his love for her through his words and said, Shito ayo na ayo I am also very thankful of you, and I love you, my little one. Ninanaba replied, You have never spoken to me in a harsh way. I am also very thankful of you, my little one. When I hear your voice, my heart is happy. I am not sorry that we did not have more children. I am so incredibly thankful that we have been blessed with four children. Looking down lovingly at the little infant he carried, Hashkeh Yilnapa promised, Now we have been blessed with four children again. We will raise them well. You will be their mother, and I will be their father. We will love them as if they came from us. Hashkehilnapa looked down into the eyes of the infant he was carrying and said, Greetings, my baby. The infant looked back into his eyes and big tears 
welled up in its eyes, and with its lips curled, the infant began to wail. Nananaba was once again mesmerized by her husband as he held the infant carefully and lovingly in his arms. She gently rubbed her abdomen and softly whispered, It will be nice to have many children. My children's father really enjoys children. I want my sons to give us many grandchildren, Ninanaba softly said. Ninanaba remembered that when their children were still young, they had spoken about having more children, but Hashkeh Yilnaba had told her that as a war leader, his leadership responsibilities would take him away from home a lot, and he did not want his Ninanaba raising their children alone, so they settled on the four children they had. The group decided to wait until nightfall to continue their journey home. They agreed that in the safety of darkness they could ride faster. The infant seemed to be losing strength. When night fell, Hashkehilnapa led the group through the treacherous canyon as he held the infant securely on their ride home. All they heard was the sound of the baby whimpering and their horses' hooves beating against the ground. Ninanaba and her sons followed the sound of Hashkehilnapa's horse's hooves pounding on the ground as he rode through the canyon and into the hills. Ninanabat's father and brother followed behind for safety. Although being jolted by the ride, the baby quieted and slept most of the way. Hashkehilnapa stopped periodically to make sure the baby was still alive. He saw the outline of the hills on the horizon of the western sky as the moon cast a faint glow in the eastern sky. Soon they entered the security of their trees and sage that surrounded their homes. Hashkehilnapa asked his sons to gather some warriors to accompany their grandfather to take the four orphans to a distant place. He wanted to take Nananaba home so she could rest. He could tell she was very tired but she was trying to be strong. He did not want her to get sick again. Hashkehilnapa watched as his sons left to call the warriors together so they could take the young girl and the children and the infant to a distant place where their grandfather would say a prayer for the four orphans. The orphans had seen much violence and death. To bring them to their home without a prayer would bring the enemy closer, along with more violence and death. Hashkehilnapa also asked to have a makeshift shelter assembled for the children. The children would stay in the makeshift shelter for several days as prayers were voiced for them. Once in the safety of their whole one, Hashkehilnapa 
made sure Nananabot was safe and resting on her soft sheepskin. Her oldest son went to the sheep corral to milk a goat. Her youngest son built a fire to warm up the whole one and to make his mother some Navajo tea. Nananabot quietly watched as her two sons boiled the goat milk, then poured it into a container to be taken to their grandfather to feed the infant and the children. Ninanabot's oldest son took a few pieces of jerky and left. Her youngest son stayed with his mother to make sure she was safe. Hashkehyilnabba sat close to Ninanabot and quietly sang a song, then thanked the Creator for their safe return. Ninanabot was anxious to know whether the baby had survived. She spent the day carding wool. It was therapeutic to Hashkehilnabba to hear her carding wool. She tried weaving, but the hours seemed to drag. She remembered the prayers that were voiced for her after she had killed the enemy who attacked her. It was done quickly. She had to maintain reverence for several days following the prayers so she knew what the orphaned children were most likely doing. The wives of the young warriors cooked and helped care for the orphans. Everyone was helping in the survival of the orphans. The women were weaving rug dresses for the young girl. Some of the men were sewing hides to create shirts for the young ones. Moccasins had to be made. Loose pants made of hide had to be sewn. Early one morning, Ninanabat woke to find that Hashkehyilnabba had left their hogan, hogan. Inside the hogan, it was still dark. She heard the sound of horses' hooves outside her hogan. Fear crept into her heart. She heard someone jump off a horse and begin walking to her hogan, hogan. Suddenly, the thick rug was being lifted away from the door. Ninanabot got up and stood near the entrance after she grabbed the fire poker for a weapon and held it over her head. Hashkehyilnabba found Ninanabot standing near the door, holding the Honeshkish, the fire poker, above her head, ready to strike the person who entered. Hashkehyilnabba cleared his throat and said, Shisht, it's me. Don't knock me out with that stick. He asked Nananabat to stir the fire to bring light. With a faint glow illuminating the Hogan, Hogan, Hashkehyilnabba reached inside a softly woven blanket and brought their orphaned baby out for Nananabat to see. Nananabat had many questions and Hashkehyilnabba answered them as well as he could with the limited information he had. They walked to Ninanabat's sister-in-law's Hogan, Hogan to ask her to feed the little ones since she had an infant she was breastfeeding. An agreement was made that she would keep the little one until it became stronger. They watched as the baby held its mouth open to allow breast milk to drip into its little mouth. 
Swallowing was painful for the little one, and it cried. Hashkehilnapa went home to rest before the sun fully rose in the sky, while Linanapa decided to stay and help with their little one. Before the day was over, the infant weakly began to feed, open its eyes, and cry. While Nananapa was holding the baby close, after it had taken in some milk, she found her rug dress was wet. It was not until she unwrapped the infant that she found the little one was a girl. Nananapa smiled. Heavy, sad tears flowed from her eyes as she held the little one close and sang to it and cried. For the time being, her family named the little one Ba Ba Naalsoe, the warrior woman who has to be fed. Because of weakness, she could not feed herself. Ninanaba did not like the name because the name Banailsoe was the name they gave the orphaned newborn lambs and kid goats. Nevertheless, she went along with the family. They had to observe the little one before they named her, so for now Ninanaba remained quiet. Ninanaba was even more surprised when the rest of the children were brought to her home. The children had survived. The women immediately began to cook for them. After feeding them, they bathed them in herbs and washed their hair with yucca root and finished the clothing they were making for them. Hashkehilnapa gently reminded Nenanaba that the children they were taking in would not take the place of their daughters. He vowed to keep looking for their daughters. Nenanaba told him she hoped someone had taken in her daughters just as they had taken in these children. His wishes were the same. They both cried as they talked about their daughters. In later conversations, they found the children were of the Hashtvishni clan, although not related to either Nenanaba or Hashkehilnapa. There was a strong sense of responsibility on their part because Hashkehilnapa was the one who found the children. As time passed, he vowed to protect the orphaned children who had come into their home. He knew Ninanaba had enough love for all of them, and he felt comforted that she would once again have a little girl to raise. The oldest girl demonstrated signs of maturity, just the way Ninanaba would have wanted her daughters to be. The family named her Tsek is Nazba, the woman warrior who fought in the crevices of the rocks. It was a good name. The young girl had to fight for the lives of her siblings as well as her own, and yet she kept them all safe by remaining in the crevices of the rocks, leaving only at night to look for water and roots to eat. With the passage of time, the children became adjusted to their new home. Nananaba began to notice her oldest son, Nadahyanaba, the warrior who fights around plans, and the young woman, Tsek Iznazba, 
begin glancing in each other's direction more often. One night when Ninanaba and Hashkeh Yitnaba were alone in their Horan, Ninanaba mentioned her observations to her husband. He had noticed their closeness as well and agreed to speak to their son about it. In the meantime, Tsek Isna's ba was placed in Nananaba's brother's home to stay. One day, as they were gathering wood for fuel, the subject was brought up between Hashkeh Yitnaba and his oldest son. The young man admitted he was attracted to Tsek Isna's ba. They discussed her clan affiliation and agreed it was not going to cause a problem for them, but because of the unusual circumstances under which the young woman came into their home, Hashkeh Yilnaba felt it was necessary to speak to Ninanabat's parents first and get their approval before any other action was taken. The young man was satisfied with his father's response. The elders agreed to allow Hashkeh Yilnaba and Ninanaba to arrange a marriage between the two young people. Ninanaba's father's advice was, It should be done for them soon. The young woman should stay in our daughter-in-law's home until the time has come. A hogan needs to be made for her. My grandson, your son, will build the hogan. When that is completed, then they will be married. Ninanaba told Tsek Isnazba of the elders' plans and that she had to reside at Nahatahyanabas, maternal uncle's home, at least until the wedding that was being arranged for them had taken place. Ninanabat searched the face of the young woman, but could not tell whether or not she was happy about the arrangement. The young woman seemed worried. Ninanabat wondered if they had made the right decision. After a few days of worrying, Nananabat decided to confront the young woman. Tsek Isnazbat told Nananabat she was afraid for her siblings, who would care for them. Nananabat reassured the young woman several times that her siblings would be well cared for, after which the young woman seemed satisfied with the elders' plans for her. Nahatahyanaba and his younger brother and his cousins were gone all day long on several occasions searching and cutting down tall cedar trees to use to build the Hogan Hogan. At night, Ninanaba warmed up their supper and listened to their account of the day's happenings. One such evening, their sons told their father of meeting some young Nabeho men who claimed to have seen many of the enemy in and around Tseye, Canyon Dishay. 
There were not just a few, but many on horseback. Many were seen on top of the canyon, and others inside the canyon. They were told the enemy soldiers made loud noises with large guns. Hashkeh Yishnaba, as a war leader, was very much aware of the movements of these men, for they were being watched daily by Nabehu, warriors who reported to the leaders. At the time of the report, Hashkeh Yishnaba and his father-in-law had agreed to stay where they were because of Nananabat's mother's health. The late fall weather remained warm. Nananabat's oldest son was married to Tsek Iznazba, and they were settled in their new Hohan, which had been built in the early fall. Hashkeh Yishnaba and his father-in-law remained active in the leadership gatherings, Nananabat wanted to weave. Weaving had been therapy for her after her daughters were kidnapped. She carded the wool but would not spin the soft wool. Holding a spindle was too painful for Nananabat. She was warned not to use a spindle anymore. It was difficult for her to ask other women to spin the wool for her. One day, Hashkeh Yishnapa stayed in the Hohan with Nananaba. After the baby was fed and had fallen asleep, Nananaba settled on her sheepskin to card more wool when she heard the sound of a spindle whirring behind her. Nananaba turned toward the sound and found her husband spinning wool. She began to laugh because she was not used to seeing her husband sitting on the ground in a position that Nabehua warriors are warned never to use. A Nabehua warrior was to remain in a crouched position, ready to jump up in an instant. Sheepishly, her husband smiled at her and continued to spin the wool. Nananaba smiled at her husband and continued to card the wool piled in front of her. Her love for her husband reflected on her face as she quietly carded the wool. All of a sudden, they heard footsteps coming closer to the entrance of their hohan. Nananaba's eye caught Hashkeh Yishnapa pushing the spindle off of his lap, causing the spindle to fly into the corner with the coarsely spun wool becoming tangled in the small pile of wood that was in the center of the Hohan, Hogan. It was their oldest son who knocked on the side of the entrance looking for his father. Ninanabat began to laugh at her husband's awkwardness. Hashkeh Yishnapa reached inside his wife's rug dress and began tickling her. They both laughed as they invited their son to come in. Nahat'ahyanapa looked at his parents with a confused look in his face. He was not used to seeing his father in his mother's hohan during the day except to eat. The two men began to exit the hohan hogan when Hashkehyanapa looked back to give his wife a flirty look. Nananabat tucked the memory away in her heart. She sighed as she breathed, Ayo ninshne, 
I love you. Zek Iznazba proved to be an expert at spinning and weaving, so she took on the chore of spinning the wool Nanana Bot needed for her weaving. It needed to be done quickly because the days were becoming shorter, which meant less light was being cast into the Hogan. Hogan. Nanana Bot found her daughter-in-law to be very helpful, just like her own daughters would have been if they were with her still, she thought. With the enemy coming closer, Hashkehyilnapa felt it was time to gather his young warriors to meet with the war leaders. A messenger was sent to gather the young men. Hashkehyilnapa asked Nananaba and the women to prepare corn tortillas and jerky for their leadership gatherings, which could take place over several days. Soon many young to middle-aged and older warriors gathered at the home of Hashkeh Yilnapa. Nananaba missed her husband. He had to remain with the war leaders. Nananaba turned to the little ones who had come into their home to provide her with a distraction and to renew her strength. Hashkeh Yilnapa and her father were meeting with other war leaders nearby. Nevertheless, at all times, one of her sons and other young men hired to protect their settlement were the only men left to care for the home. Nananabat felt safe. She knew Hashkeh Yilnapa was only a short ride away by horseback. <laughs>